Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan from thebigkickoff.com. It's Nathan Doyle and it's a first time appearance for Galway United's Mikey Place. Mikey, welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem at all. Listen, Mikey, I guess we can only start with one thing, I suppose, and that's your re- reaction to the playoff game against Longford. Obviously disappointing result for both Galway United and yourself. How did you assess the game afterwards? Yeah, I thought it was it was a very disappointing result. I thought um, Longford was a better team on the day. All we can do is um, think about what what to do next year and hopefully work harder and push on. What What were the words in the dressing rooms afterwards? John spoke um, quite highly of us of how how well we done since he came in. I think it was kind of a more positive outlook than negative because the players and the club know um, how far we came in the second or third bottom I think it was when John came in since since then we came we were flying and we got ourselves into a playoff spot. I think everyone has us uh, written out of it really. Yeah, that would be that would be Nathan on the other side there. I think I think Nathan you had them <laughs> we nearly all had them written <laughs> off at one stage. Uh, yeah. Um No what? no no I'll 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 say to go back and listen to the uh, <laughs> to the podcast we done as soon as soon as after the football set back with COVID. I think I had Galway down as a playoff team, did we? I think I got I got laughed at by a certain somebody. Uh, did you? I don't I don't remember that. <laughs> I think so. No, you'll have to you have to find that you'll have to find that one. Could, I think we can check the record books there now, mate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, um, if you don't mind me asking, obviously, like you said, those um, disappointing results, but a lot of optimism. But there must be a lot of excitement coming in. I know it's a long way away now, but there must be a lot of excitement for next season on, with the first full season under John Caulfield. Because as you said, like there was a lot of positives around the club. And as soon as John, John came in, there was just... Everything seemed to be stepped up again completely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for myself and others speaking, everyone's loved working with John. He lifted the club up a lot and the standards. So all we can do is look forward to January, really. Still have a few decisions to make and I myself as well. So we'll see what happens in the future. That was a, that was a question I was going to ask you yeah, because normally it's one year contracts that are thrown out around the league you yeah. know you do very well to get a two or three year one but so have the club talked to you or you know obviously other clubs are always sniffing around uh, at this time of the year so is it somewhere you'd like to be? Uh, yeah definitely because I'm, I'm from Galway as well circumstances changed this year um, I got um, a baby son in August Oh congratulations um, Thank you and uh, my partner lives in Derry so um, circumstances have changed so we'll have to see yeah, well, probably Galway's probably the best place for you. That's the only place you'll get some sleep, I'd say. So you're probably doing well in Galway. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, what has changed since John Caulfield took over? The results improved instantly on his arrival. What do you feel was key to the team's upturn and form? What did What did he change? I think um, when he came in, really, we were we were um, more focusing on ourselves than the opposition. Really, training. We were training twice 
on uh, Tuesday. So we got, he upped the training and the intensity of things straight away. Every, everyone just, there was, a, there was a good vibe then. Once we started getting wins, everyone started a bit more confident amongst the group. Players like myself, I was low on um, confidence at the time. And uh, he came in and he gave me that boost. And did he did he get his style across fairly quickly? Was it much different than what you were doing? Yeah, yeah, it was completely different. I think everyone sort of bought into what he was saying. And that's how we've done so well in the end. Was if you don't buy into what managers telling you he wants, then it's never really going to work, is it? So does he talk to you? Is he is he an individual? Will he talk to you individually? Like is he or is it a group that he works with? How does he? What's his man management style like? Um, all I can say for me is an excellent like when I asked him for a few days off for the birth of my son, that was that was a given straight away. When I got back in and I trained hard. He it's more um collective, like as a team. Bring everyone in at the end of training, before training. We'd have uh meeting before and after training, so it'd be more collective folks. When you look back at the first division and the teams you played against, were Drahada always the strongest team for you? I think I think the toughest match I played was the playoff match against Longford. I, I, I missed the second one where we beat them 6-2 due to suspension. But yeah, but definitely I think Longford were the strongest team for me that I played against this year. When you, when you sit down, because I've watched a few games uh, of late and unfortunately the first division, you don't get to see as many games in the first division. Um, and hopefully watch Yellow Oil change that now over the, over the next couple of years because that was a godsend to be able to watch so many matches. Um, and I know there was games yeah. thrown out on YouTube, which which was great to see as well. But when you look down and, and sit down and, and look at yourself and your game, especially, I suppose, you're in the league probably four, about four years now. What's Mikey Place like four years ago compared to now? What, what's improved? What, what have you learned? Um, so so much in the last the last four years, especially since I went to Harps, really with Holly Horgan. He taught me so much, um, more so about on a mature level how to mature. Like he, I think that's where I matured the most as a person and as a professional. Like and then John this year again, it's it's great to work under someone like as won medals and uh, managed in Europe and that. I've, I've learned a lot from him as well. As you said, Mikey, at the start of the season, you, you were sort of struggling a bit with, with, the, with the confidence levels, which is, for any footballer, I can understand how much of a difficult team that can be. But looking back at the season, how did you feel about your overall performance? Did you think you Because re- I, I thought you really, I've said a couple of times there, I thought you really improved the game and Caldwell came in. I thought you looked like a player that was just happy to be on the pitch. So how were, how were you with your overall performance this season? Were you happy with it? Did you think it would have been improved? Or, or what do you think? Yeah, I think, there's def- there was definitely room for improvement there. Um, I think going, I've, only, I've only really played 70-80% of my best this season. I think because COVID and coming back and then you're being unfit naturally because you're off for months. And then I had an injury at the start of the season as well. So I missed the first two or three games, I think it was. And then I ended up having COVID as well and that didn't help. Then I was coming back again unfit. But yeah, I think there's definitely room for improvement uh, for next year. Like there always is room for improvement, whether you're yeah at, at the top of your game or not. You just got to keep pushing. Yeah, of course, definitely. And look, like you said, you, you touched on uh, on COVID that obviously uh, ran through the entire world. But how was that to play 
it must have been a strange experience playing in front of no fans. Like it must be completely out of norm. And how much did the fans really lift the players on the pitch? And how much was that missed once the fans were gone? I think when you have like those big games at the end of the season, like like for us, could have been UCDs at home uh, last game of the season. Sometimes you think in the back of your head, there's going to be loads of fans. They're going to be cheering you on. You have that support behind you. I think the home advantage this year was kind of gone for myself personally. If I'm playing away, I don't mind the journey. It's the fans that kind of can get in your ear. I think that was um, that was the strangest thing not having the fans back. We'll we'll move on. We'll leave. We won't grill you anymore, uh, Mike. And we'll just move <laughs> on. And we, we we we'll we'll let the conversation flow with the the finishing of the the Premier Division and looking back in the final day of the Premier Division, it was a. It was really the great escape for Finn Harps as he secured a, a solid 1-0 victory at home to Waterford. Nathan, Ollie Horgan's done a fantastic job again this season with Harps. He does, in fairness. Like, we, we, we've praised Ollie plenty of times in this show for what he works with, you know, like budget-wise for Finn Harps, it's, it's pretty low. And even the facilities, like, no, when it's an Ollie Horgan year in, year out, he comes in, he gets a good, honest group of players together. And once again, he... he he kept he kept him above water when lot not many of us thought he would have. But as I said, I thought when I seen the last three games were all up in Bally Buffet, I thought that would have been a big factor. I just like Bally Buffet is, is a tough place to go, you know, like it's, I know weather in Northern is always bad, but up in Bally Buffet in the last three games it was, it was windy, it was raining, it's a tight pitch, it's hard to get your winners involved really. So that seems to be a real benefit for Finn Harps and obviously look, he got a great result against Patch and he also got, obviously got the win then uh, yesterday against uh, Waterford. So you can you can say it's down to Ollie Hogg and you can say it's down to home advantage but look, credit, massive credit to everybody at Finn Harps because it really was a great escape. Mikey, what's it like with the weather up there? It's it's not the best at, at the best of times, I suppose. So does it factor in to why teams find it hard to get a result up there? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I, that one thing I, when I was playing at Harps, I loved playing at home because um, whoever we were playing, they never got handed um, the three points. They always had to work for it. We always made them work for it. Definitely a tough place to, co- to go. And I was hoping if we did get in the playoffs, we wouldn't be playing Harps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, just- and was nightmare place. You, you alluded to to Ollie Horgan already, Mikey. Is he a good man manager? Is that what? Does he just get people motivated, or is that just a bit simplistic? Yeah, he's a very motivated um, person. He he, lo- he loves Harps. He, he lives for Harps. Really, he's not. It's not just the job for him, as far as I can see. Anyway, what I've seen from him, yeah, he, he just he loves he loves the club. Can't say anymore, but. He, he he has players, you know, running into brick walls for him. That's what it looks like to to to, yeah, to, to jet yeah. the people. You know, it just seems to, you know, you want to play for Ali because you, you can see the passion and you can see the the desire he yeah, has for the club to do have, well. If you don't have passion or desire, or um, if you're not going to run into a wall for him, you won't be playing. You let's say. <laughs> Nate, the one thing I want to know is uh, obviously, look, we know Ali Horgan is, is extremely animated to say the least in the sideline. But so was Paul Hegarty. So between the two of them, Mikey, uh, like, is that a common influence between the two of them? Or are they both just, what are they like to, 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 to play for on a match day? Like, in terms of they're both just always warm and shouting. But behind the scenes, are they like that? 
Are Oli Hogan and Paul Hegde like that, or are they a bit more calm? I think it's really like any manager. There's always going to be times where they're going to be shouting and yelling. No, off the pitch, Ollie's the nicest, one of the nicest men I've met in football, definitely. Okay, we go on to uh, Derry City, Nathan. They did just about yep. enough to stay up, as did St. Pat's. We won't go into them, or maybe we will. Is it a disappointing season more for Derry than St. Pat's because of their quality of player they had to choose from? I'm not sure. I think both of them would be severely disappointed. Like, I know, I'll be honest, Mike, I mean, I'll confess St. Pat's fan, so uh, the disappointment will, will be coming to the phone. Uh, yeah, look, as a Pat's fan, I'm obviously very disappointed, but I'm sure those City fans are too. The two clubs would have had aspirations of getting into Europe or even getting there and thereabouts. And just on the field, two of them have been, been poor to watch. They've been just been lethargic in a lot of ways, and it's just never really got going. It's been very soft set. But yeah, they will be disappointed with with that one because I think they would have they probably had the more quality of player and quality of experience like the lads that they brought in at the start of the season as long ago as that was like you had the Connor Clifford um, figure the, them sort of players that that came in so they'll be definitely disappointed and they had a steady manager in Declan Devine that knows the club and not the club a while now and so that will be a definite source of disappointment for them. Yeah, and I'm kind of disappointed now with Derry. I thought they were going to produce a lot more this season. Um, you know, maybe they're delighted for the, the the short season, get it over with, and next season you just yeah. never you, you never know. Uh, Rovers went unbeaten over the course of eighteen games, and in turn sent Shelburne to the playoffs against Longford. Mikey, do you think there's enough quality in the Longford team to beat Shells? Yeah, definitely. If they play like they played against us, definitely. Yeah. We played Shells at the start of the year. Well, the start of John's career at um, Galway. It was 2-2, two, 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 I think. And then the last 10 minutes, they scored three. But I definitely thought I think Longford um, have a good chance against Shells. Yeah, and that's on. I think that's on this Sunday. It's in the UCD Bowl, uh, Nathan. Is that right? No, it's in uh, Richmond Park. Richmond Park. God, Kip. Okay. Park. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually on Watch League of Ireland as well, so at least that's, it's, it's available for people to watch, so that's something, you know. That's good. Yeah, Brilliant. good to see. Brilliant. Okay, Dundalk beaten again, this time by Sligo, who in turn finished fourth, which is a brilliant finish considering the start they made, Nathan. Excellent finish. Absolutely excellent. And uh, once again, look, I think I made a sale every week on, the, on one of these shows. I had them to struggle. And look, I'm fairness, you have a you have a manager like Liam Buckley. He will always gather the troops and another another great manager in the league. It's look, we we thought the squad was a bit depleted, especially at the start of the season at the back. They had a whole host of injuries and got off to a dreadful dreadful start. But they've been decent they've been decent enough since the um since the return of football. It probably hasn't been stellar at times, but they they pulled out results like this, you know, and uh, Michael would know himself um, like, that would have been a, a, a club that really missed the fans because the Sligo fans are a, a very passionate bunch so they'd be, they'd be happy just to see that they've um, the a strong possibility of getting into Europe now obviously depending on the FBI Cup you just need um, Finn Hart Derry and McLaren not to win the Cup but then um, to get into Europe so it'd be a very positive finish for the season all things considered and when you look at the league Nathan they finished one point behind Dundalk and you know, so much been written about Dundalk, you know, and their European adventure and all, and they're finishing one point behind them. So it kind of shows you the disappointing finish to Dundalk season when it comes to the league. Although 
they they're getting into Europe yet again. But uh, you know, it's it, it's it's not good enough for for Dundalk, really, is it? No, there's a lot of teams that would be disappointed with a finish. But Dundalk, Dundalk would be extremely disappointed. Not only to give up that title, that that's always going to be a bit of pill to take. But not even run close this season. Like it's crazy to think this is the Dundalk 20, team. Twenty-two points. Twenty-two points now. Yeah, yes, this is the Dundalk team that's dominated all his football for the past number of years, and it wasn't even close. He wasn't even second. So they'd be highly disappointed. I know it was a turbulent season with the Vinnie Pierce departure and, and the, the new regime starting again. So, But look, a lot of people had soft-start seasons. A lot of players, a lot of managers. So I don't know if you really can put it down to that. But they'll, they'll have a look. Like, look, they'll take, they'll take this now. They wouldn't have took this at the start of the season. But they, they even struggled to get into this core position. So they, they'd probably hand off for now, I would say. But they definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have been the aspirations coming into the season. No, no way. Yeah. Okay, Mikey. I'm going to give you a few names. Who wins Manager of the Year uh, for the Premier Division this year? I'll give you a couple of candidates. Uh, Stephen Bradley wins the league and he's undefeated. Keith Long finishes second place with a small budget. Part-time footballers, young players and still finishes 11 points ahead of Dundalk to claim European spot. Ollie Horgan, who fights off relegation and gives Finn Harps another season in the Premier Division. Or Liam Buckley, who brings his team from rock bottom to fourth place in such a short space of time. Out of those four, unless you want to nominate someone else, but out of those four, who, who do you reckon has done the best job this year? I think um, I think Stephen Bradley, because it's tough to go unbeaten, a full season unbeaten in the league, and fair play to that. Um, you don't see that much around any league, uh, even the League of Ireland. Um, I'd, say, I'd say Ollie Hogan's a close second, though. I knew you'd say that. I actually thought you'd throw Ollie in there. <laughs> you mustn't be looking for a return back to Finn Harps, are you? Or maybe you are. <laughs> Nathan, what what do you reckon? Yeah, no, spot on. I think, look, as a Finn Pat fan, you know, everything inside me kills me to say this, but yeah, Stephen Bradley had to get it. As Mikey touched on, unbeaten, unbeaten seasons, you can say, even though it's only been a short season, it's still a tough thing to do. It's still an extremely tough thing to do. Obviously, Roy, we've said the past couple of weeks, you weren't really keen on throwing the world, world um, invincibles around, but it's a world that is being tossed around freely now, so congratulations to Sean McGovers for doing that. Yeah. Uh, the fourth thing to do was since uh, 1927 in the league. Yeah. So, they, I, I'm not, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure they can get the invincible tag. You know, I, I, like that, I, I, they had twice before in in the history they've uh, done invincibles throughout the season. But this year's 18 games. I, I'm sure there's been teams who have gone uh, unbeaten halfway through the season after 18 games, and you know they don't get the invincible tag. I think this is their champions. They could have went through the season invincible. 38 games 50 games they were that good that you know I don't think anyone was going to uh, get there but uh, that doesn't take the shine away from what they did I thought they were brilliant this year and I'm really looking forward to seeing them in Europe next year Okay, the FAI recently seeked out applications from clubs who wish to enter the league's first division Nathan things have developed here haven't they who made their who made their interest known they've not only developed they developed really quickly today especially as we talked about this last week didn't we about who Possibly we'd like to see and possible teams that would come back into the league. Like feasibility-wise too was obviously a big thing. But we've seen that uh, Treaty United uh, will apply. They've said that they will apply for a, a fourth division licence next season. Obviously Treaty United, a uh, limited-based team. So we could, that would be a 
the the one that you'd really like to see. You'd like to see a team come back to Limerick and be back involved in the League of Ireland. Obviously, then some other teams started to come out of the woodwork here when, and some even officially um, made their interest known. Uh, St. Francis have won Lento Senior side in Dublin because we all know we need it. No, Dublin team, don't we? Let's, <laughs> uh, they confirmed that, that they contacted, so that they've contacted the FBI to express interest. And they said that they've asked mainly about feasibility for not only a senior team in the fourth division, but underage boy and girl teams to go into the National League too. So that loves to be an interest to the FBI to have them. Um, to not only have a senior team, but to have underage teams as well go into to the league. So, and St. Francis, they'd be looking to get their League of Ireland status back too. So it'll be interesting to see if anything really does come of that. But out of the two teams, Treaty United seems to be the ones that are really, really seem set on, on doing it this season, on, uh, on getting into the fourth division uh, next, next season, sorry. And I believe Yola FC, is they from Wexford? Yeah, yeah. That's a strange one, isn't it? The Yoli uh, uh, FC. It's, it's only a new team too. They're looking. They've expressed some sort of interest of getting a merger together with the existing the existing uh, Wexford FC now. So there'll still only be one team in Wexford. But that's that's another one that's sort of come out now. And as well, look, I'm I, I'm sure we all are, but I'm of the attitude the more the merrier. It'd be great to see teams from not only around Dublin but all around the whole country. Because that's what the league needs. It needs teams dotted around the country. It needs teams and just to make it more interesting and just just to just to see if can can work. We've seen teams obviously look Monaghan United and Kilkenny have come and gone, but there'll be teams that will be mentioned with this, like Monaghan, Kilkenny, Mirview, and Galway could be another one. Trillies, another one that's getting thrown around. So it'll be interesting to see if these teams can actually can deal with going forward and, that, and if they will express actual actual interest. Because oh, I am I'm all for it. I think it'd be great to see a number of different teams come forward and be interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's it's interesting because I'm not sure that many of these are going to be able to do it. I, Treaty United, I'm, I'm, are they just really Limerick in disguise now or is that kind of like a merger in, in some sort of way? You know, they're probably going to be playing there anyhow. But uh, So they, they, they might have the best chance. St. Francis... <sighs> It's a bigger responsibility now as a club because you have to have under 19s, you're under 17s, 15 teams. Money is a huge thing. And I think it costs, it's just to enter the first division, I think it costs around 30 grand. So if you want to get in, you have to get 30 grand. I think it costs nearly 150,000 to run your uh, an under 19 side. So when you look at all the runnings, ins and outs of uh, trying to get a team, a league club together, you could be talking at anywhere around half a million a year just to try and keep running a club, you know, because the the the, the youth now teams uh, cost a lot of money to run between coaches and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of money there. So I don't know if St. Francis are going to have that type of money and that would be very interesting to see where they were. I know they were there, I think it was 95 or 96 to 2000, 2001. So about five, five, one, I think was. Yeah, five, five or six years. But it's a different game now. It's, you know, you you have to have these underage teams. You're going into League of Ireland and, you know, then you have to talk about playing, paying players or, you know, part-time players or, or what have you. So the other question is with St. Francis is, who are they? As in, who do they represent? It, it's hard for a League of Ireland club. If you're Treaty United, you know, it's Limerick. But who who are St. Francis? Yeah. Like the pitch is in the middle of nowhere. It's outside the, the aerodrome out in Baldonnell. It's in the middle of nowhere. So it doesn't, you know, 
Shamrock Rovers are talent. Pats are kind of close as well. So who who are, who would they, you know, they wouldn't get the crowds. I think that's one of the reasons why they weren't around the last time. So, yeah, I'm not sure about them. And Yola, if Yola go in as a, a merger, I never understood mergers. Mergers normally lead no. to just one club dying and, and, and you don't see that. And you don't see, it's not any great financial gain, I don't think. So I'm not sure about that one either. So, and I'd be very surprised if many other teams do jump on board because I just don't see... The finances, it's it, when you look at the the amount of money that you get for prize money, it's pittance. It's nothing compared to what you have to spend. So you're already in loss unless you have someone backing you up. So I can see Treaty United doing it. The others, I think it'd be tough for them. So yeah, of course, you'd love to see new teams in there. So hopefully and maybe that they, that something will come of it anyhow. Nathan, a couple of players retired. Yeah, yeah. He do, and actually one is, is pretty relevant now. Uh, obviously, the teammate of, of Mikey here, Mikey Vinny Fatty, announced on Twitter his retirement. What what was Vinny like to, to play with, and what sort of influence did he have on him? Oh, he, he was he was a big massive player in the dressing room. Like character wise, he was always he's always giving advice, always helping. Even though he went through the whole season, I think it was without playing, he was always just like helping in any way he could advise him off the pitch as well he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet a fantastic player as well yeah I'm sure he'll definitely be someone that would be missed um, in in the dressing room has he given you any indication of what's he going to do next is he going to go into coaching because I know he's a Galway guy as well and he's he's, he's got his next step is to to become a Galway fan so has he made any indications yeah. any years that what he's going to do next? Uh, I, th- I think he has a job that already lined up and stuff. So I think that's the route he wants to go. Yeah, just just wants to uh, just just become a fan now, which is look well deserved. Yeah, just all these years. Year we'll see, see everyone next year with the games. Hopefully. So just to run through a little bit, look, I'm sure there's a lot of us now now, but we started his League of Ireland career back in 2007. Played with the likes of Galway, from Pat, from Dark, Limerick, Sligo. Yeah, Spurs and Cyprus in Australia. So he's a, he's a very well-travelled player. And on his day, I would maybe seen him at St. Pat's. And his goal scoring ability was very good. And he, he, he would always get you out of a pinch. Played 254 League of Ireland games. Scored 64 League of Ireland goals. So it's definitely it's a, it's a long-serving player that they really missed it out the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who else has gone? Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, one more to go to as well because I'm like the Grim Reaper here, aren't I? Like, think Rob says, Roy, like last Monday, the retirement story like every week, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the last one is about uh, Alan Bennett. Obviously, Alan is a Cork City legend that he is. Um, he, re- he actually released a, a long but very lovely statement. And look, I'm obviously not going to go into it and read it out on, on air because uh, it is pretty lengthy, but. I'd encourage people to check it out. You know, it's very poignant and there's some lovely points. Little football, the real life and about the impact that, that football has on, on, on everybody, not only the players. But uh, yeah, look, he retires, as I said, as a Cork City legend and the captain. Uh, 29 years of, years of age, it seems like the time to, to, to step down now. Yeah, two, two spells of Cork City, the fourth one in 2000, from 2000 to 2006, and the second one from 2015, obviously now to 2020. Uh, between that, you had a lot of the spell in England with a number of different teams. The famous table like the Red, Southampton, Brentford, Wickham, uh, Cheltenham, and Wimbledon, I think was the last one. And he also had a, he played twice for Ireland at uh, international level back in 2007. So, look, another obviously storied career, another uh, one that he's very successful. 
won two League of Ireland titles and with Cork City and two FA Cups of Cork City and made a total of 254 appearances for Sport Cork. So another one that will be definitely missed and another one that's a, that's a long-serving player of the league. Yeah, and hopefully they stick around in the league, you know, in a coaching capacity, whether it's with the underage teams or or, or with the senior teams, because uh, they're, the, they're, they're the people you need in there just to keep encouraging players to, to play the game. Nathan, we'll go on to the finish off with our fans' questions, as we always do. By the way. Yeah, as always. Look, thank you, everybody, for sending the fan questions if you want to do so. You can get us at the big kickoff on any of our social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mail them if you want to, whatever you like, just get the name because we, we get decent amount every week. So we like to have different different uh, varieties of fans and people. And so, yeah, definitely keep them coming. So, enough of that. The first one is from David Lynch. David wants to know, obviously, with the, with the break now coming up, we're going to expect some managerial changes. But David wants to know, what managerial change would you expect to happen? Okay, Mikey, we'll go with you first. What do you What do you think? Um, obviously, the court court has a massive team, and uh, they've gone down. They've got relegated. Um, Neil Finn didn't have um, a great time there. That's the only one I would have um, said. I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I could see. Uh, I think we said I said this to you before, Nate, and I can see Giovinoli getting let go from Dundalk. And I and I think Keith Long would be a great candidate to go to Dundalk. I just think that if they want to go to the next level, the results that he has had haven't really improved. Although they did, you know, they played a couple of decent games, a half good game against Molde. They played uh, really well against Rapid Vienna. But take away from that, nothing's really improved. I, I think at Dundalk. So I think if for for Dundalk, I'd be looking at you know something fresh. And Keith Long all day long, he's done an unbelievable jo- job at Bowes. He may not want to leave Bowes. You know, I'm not trying to get rid of him from Bowes, but I'm just thinking if I was Dundalk, I'd be all over him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely excellent manager for me. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm not sure really. It's, it's, obviously, it's the part of, of the game you, you don't like. You don't like seeing people lose their job. But um, just by going off a pause, I think, I think Ian Morris has a big game ahead of him against Longford. Mm. Also, like, and I'm definitely warned for whatever happens in the dressing room should stay in the dressing room I don't like teams getting leaked out and people talking about what goes on because what look it's, things get said and things happen and it should, it should remain in the group but certainly things aren't, all things aren't rosy in, in the Shelbourne camp so I think if Longford do beat them in the, in the playoff finals I, I think for me just, just if I had to say somebody I think Ian Morris will be that somebody for me and, and Ian is a great manager a great manager Ian Morris uh, I'd even have myself I, 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 past, so I think he's a brilliant manager brilliant coach yeah Nathan who do you think will take over at Cork I know Healy's there now do you think he'll be there for good is that just temporary what do you think look there's no harm keeping him in is there a guy that knows the club and will have the respect of the players because I'd imagine that they'll have a pretty young group of players to work with uh, next season I, I, I would I'd I think that could be a bit of a benefit keeping Colin Healy around. Just see, see how he gets on. And, what about you? and there's no guarantees that they're going to go straight up and again. That would yep. be interesting to see. Right, go on, give us our second question. Yeah, second and final question sent in by Dennis Rogan. Uh, and Dennis wants to know, is that any team that really underwhelmed you this season? Mm-hmm. In t- like it could be in terms of performance or 
finish or anything like that. Mikey, anyone, any team that you thought would do better this year than they actually did? I thought Shelburne, the way they started the season, they started the season quite bright and there was a lot of talk about them trying to get into Europe and that's really, that's really all I can think of. Um, yeah, no, and if you look at Shelburne... as well, they, they had a good season. Adrian Carver, he's, I know him from when I was younger, he used to coach me. He's done very good with them this year, got them playing football, and some good players as well. Yeah. What, what, just, I, I'll go on to Shelbourne. When you think about Shelbourne, Shelbourne really only finished seven points off third place. It's a really compact league, so it's, a, it's, it's really, I suppose, it, it's, a, it's a tough one, but you know, they didn't, they, they had so many games. They never looked like winning the games that maybe they, they, they probably should have been. Uh, and I suppose if you look at Sligo, Sligo always, they had a great win here, then they might have a little disappointing result. But when they were winning, they were winning convincingly. So, yeah, Shelbourne were just missing that yeah. certain something. What about Shamrock Rovers too? How were how they perceived by the players in the league? I think it's just like an, another game for, for us anyway. That's all I can say for most this season anyway we just went out and treated it like another game like we just have to get three points and we don't care who we play yeah. personally when they were trying to get into the league it didn't really matter um, to me I didn't feel like because the way I looked at it like we play two extra games of how, how, how many ever it is and we just need to get the points and for Shamrock Rovers it can only be a good thing obviously bringing players in, letting them play men's football. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, Nathan, I probably will say you're a lot, St. Pat's. Um, yeah. Well, there's, there, there's a lot of talk about them, isn't there? It's like Liverpool of old. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about them, but yet they don't seem to do anything. And they'll bring in, like Benson came in this year, Connor Clifford was the year before. There's big talk about how the team is going to, you know, we're going to step up now. We've got the... And it, it never materialises. And I look at the club and I think, you know, the club aren't really... They're not progressing. They're stuck in Richmond Park. The the the, the same stadium, it's starting to fall apart. You know, they, they've never had a fan base that reached outside of Inchicore. They don't look for fans from the likes of Luke and Chapel Lizard, you know surrounding yeah. areas which are which are very close very big uh, populations now around that area they don't reach out never not once have they ever reached That's out right. to, around the area and it shows I think it's a stagnant board that filters down to a, a stagnant team and I think there's I personally think that changes need to be made at the top of that club for things to start happening again on the pitch yeah, look, it's like I've said it before. I think ever since we we won the league uh, back in 2014, it's, it's just been in decline very slowly. Obviously, look, the Richmond Park thing is disappointing, but that was sort of in the hands of Dublin City Council, and it just never came to be. But look, the people still could have been pushed more on, could have been organised better, perhaps could have been. Yeah, but as you said, look, obviously, like, I I like Richmond because I have a lot of good memories down in Richmond, but it definitely isn't what it, what it once was. But going on to the stagnant. In, which I do agree with again like going from Body Fairman which is like, so I came in a walk from my house from my door down to Richmond Park and I, I couldn't probably count on one hand the amount of times I was going to post it for St. Patrick's and letters down in Body Fairman which is right on a doorstep like a right besides Palace you have a lot of the uh, of South Dublin to walk for in your catchment area or even a lot of fans I know from like the Palmer Town and Clendalk and they're all Shamrock Over fans because Shamrock Rovers are trying to reach out and bring in as many people as possible 
and it's, it's just not happening down the same path. Like it's like the farm inch called Germany and, and probably James Street is, is probably the furthest you'd get a fan from playing past. But besides that, as, as you said, it's, it's just it's, it's disappointing to say because every year there seems to be good talk around the club, the European ambition. We signed some decent players and the recruitment just hasn't worked out once again this year for the most part. Like, we brought in Luke McNally, who was out on loan from us with, with Drotter, we brought him back this season. And in fairness, I, I thought Luke was very good this season. But um, like away from that, like, Robbie Benson has been, has been decent. Martin Rennie was poor. Dan Ward didn't really play much. So it's, it's been disappointing and it's another disappointing end to the season. I, I'd like to give I'd like to see Stephen O'Donnell get the benefit of the doubt if we're talking about on sales because COVID wrecked a lot of teams I think he, he deserves maybe one round of matches next season see how he gets on from there but yeah again look it's just it's a flat disappointing end of the season for, for all involved with St. Pat's Right, and, and we won't ask you the question, Nathan, because I think that's your answer there. Okay, Mikey, what do you do now between now and pre-season? I presume starts in January. Is that right? Do you, do you do you go out? Do you look after yourself? Do you have a, a routine between now over the sort of the Christmas time, November, December, to keep yourself fit? Yeah, got um, I got a gym program. And just a bit of uh, cardio be out as well. The one thing about the League of Ireland is when in the off season you come back, you're not on a 52 week contract, so you have to come out and find yourself a job or find on the dole. So it's not always uh, the best time of the year. No, no, it definitely isn't. And uh, especially when you have a, a, a young child brought into the world, you, you, yeah. you, you want to secure. Uh, you know that sort of the constant flow of, of cash coming in so um yeah. hopefully that you 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 get the contract you deserve whether it's with Galway or anyone else in the league best of luck with the with, with what's the what's the uh, boy's name uh, Troy Troy so hopefully um yeah. Troy doesn't uh, keep you up too much um <laughs> uh, your sleep patterns will never be the same ever again so you've just missed out <laughs> on lions throughout your whole 20s so <laughs> yeah it's it's a, it's a different world altogether but it, listen it'll bring you so much joy or he'll bring you so much joy yeah. as well so uh Congratulations on Troy and I hope uh, you are all uh, very, very happy. Thanks very much for coming on, Mikey. Nathan, thanks very much as well and uh, we'll talk to you next week.